Section 3 of The Catholic's Ready Answer This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Catholic's Ready Answer by Rev. M. P. Hill Section 3 Bible Heroes Objection the heroes of the Old Testament are represented as being special favorites of the Almighty. On the other hand, they seem to have had many vices. What, then, are we to think of the Bible as a teacher of morality, or as a divinely inspired book? The answer. The patriarchs and some of the other leaders of the Jewish people are indeed represented as favorites of the Almighty on account of their great personal virtues. They may have had their failings as well, but their lives were written not so much on account of their personal qualities as with a view to exhibiting the special providence that presided over the destinies of their race. As fathers and leaders of the chosen people, they were objects of God's special care. But that did not exempt them from the failings to which all flesh is heir. Needless to say that their faults, great or small, have met with scant justice at the hands of the skeptical and the critical. The faults of Bible characters, such as they were, show by their very presence in the narrative that the sacred writers had no thought of giving a roseate hue to their descriptions of the deeds of their countrymen, and that their single aim was to give a trustworthy report of facts. This is indeed the unique distinction enjoyed by the Bible among the historical records of ancient peoples. Even unworthy deeds associated with great names are faithfully registered. Unlike other such records, the books of the Bible were not composed as a tribute of adulation to reigning dynasties or to serve as a flattering unction to national vanity. The writers penned an exact and impartial account of God's dealings with men and of men's behavior toward God. There is no similar record in existence. None like it ever could have arisen out of the bosom of paganism. The real and genuine shortcomings of Bible heroes we cannot, of course, either palliate or deny. The Bible itself condemns them. But at the same time we must refuse to accept judgment of sworn enemies of the Bible when they are pleased to ascribe faults, even crimes, to the great personalities of the Bible where there is no evidence of guilt because Abraham, for instance, made his wife Sarah pass for his sister when both were in danger of falling into the hands of the king of Egypt, we cannot agree with the critics when they set him down as an instigator of lying. His accusers ignore the fact that in Abraham's language the word sister had a larger signification than in our modern tongues, and the fact that, after all, Sarah was Abraham's half-sister, and hence might be called simply his sister. In the same censorious spirit, the critics characterized David as a captain of bandits and a usurper of the throne. They have lost the key to the interpretation of the facts. The very first and last fact in Jewish history is forgotten, namely, that the Jewish form of government was a theocracy. God himself was in a very special sense the ruler of the nation. In his hands were the making and unmaking of its kings, if Saul was rejected and David made to reign in his stead, it was done by divine appointment, and David was consequently no usurper. 
If David, before ascending the throne, acted on his own responsibility and took the field against the enemies of his people, who were inflicting serious harm upon them, he did nothing inconsistent with just warfare. Neither this nor anything which he did in self-defense constituted him a bandit. In the heyday of prosperity, David did indeed commit a twofold sin of a most grievous nature. But the description of this event and of its consequences, whilst showing on the one hand the rigor of God's justice, presents on the other a most remarkable example of repentance in an offender, a repentance that charmed the heart of God himself. The Lord deigned to call him a man after his own heart, and to show him, and his descendants for his sake, the mercy of a father. Surely this touching example of mercy is so characteristic, if we may use the expression, of God's dealing with men, ought to move the reader of the sacred narrative to adoration and love rather than arm him against the object of God's clemency. The defender of the Bible is not bound to find an excuse for every act of the patriarchs that seems in any way dubious. In some cases, those acts may have been in a greater or lesser degree sinful. This is probably true in the case of Jacob, when he personated his brother Esau and fraudulently obtained his father's blessing. True, he may have known from his mother, who certainly knew it by revelation, Genesis 25:23, that in the designs of providence he was to take precedence of his brother. But would that excuse the deception practiced on his father? And yet, if he sinned, it does not follow that he sinned grievously, or that he should have ceased to be an object of God's special providence as a propagator of the Jewish race. The instances we have given of unfair criticism are samples of the superficial judgments passed upon the behavior of the patriarchs and upon the spirit and character of the historical books of the Bible. End of section 3 Recording by Alex Durbin